Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. We're here with one of our guest hosts, uh, Yin Zhao, and uh, we're friends from a past life at uh, one of the big four consulting firms. And I'd love if you uh, gave us a little bit of an intro. I know you're in kind of the consulting space, you're in kind of AI, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of track you when you were a kid uh, up until right now. So if you don't mind sharing a little bit about what you're doing now, and then we'll get into the backstory later on. Yeah, for sure. Okay, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Ian Xiao. I'm a manager at one of the big consulting firm, spending a lot of my daytime helping clients to um, use AI better and more, be, be more responsible in the, in the space. Um, and I've, um, I was an immigrant from China, spent about 15 years in Canada. Love to talk about my journey um, throughout. Sounds good. So why don't we start off with uh, Ian as a kid? So what, what, what was Ian like growing up? Uh, I don't know if you have any early fond memories or, or, or happy memories that you've gone through. And then I'd love to hear some of the, the influences that helped you along the way to kind of get you to where you are now. So we'll kind of walk through that. So what was, what was Ian like uh, growing up? Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say like, I'm pretty happy like throughout like my childhood, which is I'm super fortunate and grateful for um, given how hard my parents work. Um, like I think growing up in China, um, like people face one of the um, issue that people face is usually around stress around school, right? And I, I would say like that's like definitely one of the 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 most like um, memorable like moments yeah when I when I grew, um, grew up. But like in addition to that, like I think like I was born in the in a, in a time where things are going pretty well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like we have um, a lot of like um, time to, you know, play a lot of, um, you know, enough like, resources to buy stuff that we wanted, right? Compared to like, let's say our, our parents' generation, right? Because sure. um, they're coming out from like, maybe like the post-war area where like people are still trying to figure out what's going on, right? So like, I'm definitely very lucky to have a pretty good uh, childhood, right? That's amazing. So uh, yeah. growing up in, uh, in in China, you mentioned kind of that stress around school. Can you describe yeah. some of that? Because I know there are things like, like the, was it the, the Gaokao exam where like that's yeah. a huge source of stress. But for those that aren't familiar with that, can you kind of uh, tell us a little bit about that? Environment? Yeah, for sure. Um, the Gaokao, I think of it as like one exam, like it's the um, standardized um, entry exam to university, right? And a lot of people say that like this exam determine your life. Right. So you do good, you're set. <laughs> if you don't do well, then like you're kind of doomed, right? Um, like based on what, what uh, my experience and my, uh, my, my friend's experience is, it's kind of over, over exaggerated, mm-hmm. I would say, but like definitely impose a lot of like stress for students, like myself included, going through that process because mm-hmm. you don't want to take the chance, <laughs> right? <laughs> Um, so the, one is it definitely like, um, impose a lot of like stress, like, um, for, um, just going through like years of study, but at the same time, the good thing coming out of that is it trains you to be a lot more disciplined, I would say. Right. Um, but like, again, like going back to my, my earlier point, like, um, I think we definitely had the luxury of like. Um, having more resources than our parents. So we do have, you know, we can definitely spend time outside of the classroom to pursue like other hobbies and stuff like that, right? 
Cool. So tell me a little bit about uh, kind of what you thought you would be doing, uh, assuming that you aced the, the Gaokao or whatever, right? Like, did yeah. you have a sense on, because the typical Asian is, is doctor, lawyer, accountant, engineer, that sort of thing. Did you yeah. have those aspirations? And, and obviously you're in consulting right now. So uh, how did that kind of factor into the... To the yeah, so uh, yeah, the, the, the typical Asian, I would say career path definitely was on the table like doctor engineers you know uh, lawyers accountants um they were definitely one of those uh, one of the considerations um but when i was in china i actually want to become a fighter jet pilot interesting cool <laughs> so that's actually what i wanted to do after like me finishing the exam right but uh, my mom did not like that at all <laughs> understandable yeah uh, which that you have to take right <laughs> Um, but no, I ended up um, studying electrical and computer engineering um, in Canada, right? Um, and then I became a, a consultant, a business consultant afterwards, um, but definitely still um, stay really close to the technology space. Happy to talk about our journey as well. Yeah. Talk a little bit about like the decision to go to Canada and kind of the application process and kind of like settling around it and, and doing that. Like, what was that experience? Because yeah. you were an international student? Yeah, I was. Yeah. So yeah, just so, a little bit about that process. Yeah, again, I think like um, I was super grateful because we had the support. Um, so in terms of like the application process, it was not um, extremely hard for me personally because I went to pretty good school in China, did relatively well. So like all the um, entry requirements is not as um, it's not a chance for me at that point. Um, financial wise, like I, again, I think like I'm pretty grateful to like um, my family, like they were really supportive and we have the, the right resources in place, right? Um, I would say going through the process, the most challenging part is really just getting used to um, having to speak English every day okay. <laughs> um, from before, which is you only speak in English classes, <laughs> right? In China, right? Um, but yeah, so I think that would be, um, uh, that that's one, one of the, the, my major, um, I would say adjustment that I need to make, um, going from China to Canada. And what were some of the considerations in terms of picking a yeah. school, right? So were you always focused on Canada uh, and then how did, how did you and how did you decide on, on kind of the, the various? Yeah. Schools? Um, yeah, we, um, we meaning my, myself and my parents, um, were definitely considering schools, not just in Canada. Um, we were also looking at the U S as well. Okay. Um, a couple of factors that went into it. Number one is back in the days, the U S to Chinese exchange rate is super expensive. So, <laughs> right. Okay. Definitely one consideration. Like we were, like we were in a good spot, but not definitely not super rich. Right. Right. Um, and then second of all, um, it's also family, right? Cause we have, um, you know, close family in Canada. So it's um, easier, um, at least for my parents. So I came by myself. So my okay. par parents are still in China. So when like they, uh, when we consider where I should go, definitely um, it's easier for them and also just peace of mind for them if I stay close to uh, families. So that's why we narrow it down to Canada. And within Canada, I think the obvious choice is Toronto or Vancouver for, right. you know, Asian background people, like this is, and more um, uh, population in those two cities. Um, and it just happened to my uncle who's in Canada, he's in Toronto. So okay. that's how I landed in Toronto, yeah. And and were your parents, did they have anything to, to do with the engineering side or did you have a lot of engineers in the family? Uh, no, I'm actually the first engineer in the family. Okay. 
Um, my dad um, is um, a architect, uh, so he okay. still practice. Um, uh, I wanted like when I was deciding for uh, to to go to uh, to choose what to study. Um, obviously, like being a jet pilot is definitely not on table on the table. <laughs> okay. Um, then it's between the traditional, I would say, the Asian careers, like lawyers and and doctors, whatever. Right. I was super bad in biology, so. Doctor is definitely not <laughs> for me. Um, I don't get excited about you know accounting, so um, I can do it, but I don't get excited about it. Um, but I'm really excited about um, physics and chemistry, and okay. also computer. So um, if you look at that, the subset is you know you just point towards like engineering and computer science. Okay. Cool. So you're uh, now, I, I guess, in Toronto at studying engineering, and uh, now you have to speak English on a daily basis. <laughs> what, what was the process like, or what was the experience like, kind of integrating in, getting used to kind of the new culture? Did you did you experience some of the, the culture shock? Because I've heard mixed uh, stories where some people are like, well, because Toronto's so multicultural, actually, yeah, it's not. But uh, what was your experience like? Um, it's, uh, it's a mix, I would say. Um, and I, I think like for me, I, I was pretty intentional, um, to integrating into, I would say the English speaking community, just okay. because like, I know I want to, you know, um, uh, develop my career here in Toronto. So I have to speak good enough English. Right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, I spent a lot of time, you know, hanging out with um, English speaking communities in university, right? Mm -hmm. Versus a lot of um, some of my peers will actually stick with their own maybe Chinese speaking groups. I sure. still do that. I, I definitely love my identity. I, I do have connection to the Chinese speaking communities, but um, on a day to day basis, I really want to focus my time um, uh, spending more time with like people who can teach me how to speak proper English, right? Um, and like, there's no shortcut. You just need to spend time um, and, you know, spend time speaking it, practicing it, um, and also just really understanding like how, like the nuances in different way of people articulating messages, right? Um, yeah, so uh, definitely spend, um, I would highly encourage people to um, uh, focus in this area if they, they are thinking about transitioning. And were you very purposeful about that in terms of like every day you reflected, oh, okay, what do they mean by that? Or you have to look up in the dictionary, different things, or were there any like programs that helped you along the way? Or, or was it really just like through osmosis, you, you picked it up or something else? Yeah, I would say that it was, it's, it's a latter case because I couldn't carry a dictionary around. <laughs> okay. And also at the same time, I think like, it's also part of the process. I would say, like, I would just ask them, hey, what do you mean by this? Okay. Even like it might be normal for like people who speak um, English as a first language, but like, it, like I've never come across people who um, laugh at you when you actually are asking mm -hmm. what you mean by that, like in a genuine way, I guess they, they know you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's also like forced me to communicate and try to comprehend what English people, uh, what um, uh, English speaking people um, uh, mean by different um, lingos, for example, or different when they make jokes, right? Like sometimes like it's hard to pick up some of those cues, you know? Was there anything particularly like challenging for you to, to understand or what was the most like, this thing didn't make sense for the longest time. Was there any of those types of uh, moments that you can recall? Um, 
it's less about the, the latter. It's more about like the, the most challenging part is really try to like pick up the accent, I would say, or okay. eliminate the accent. I still have it. Okay. Um, but like, it's really hard to um, uh, completely get rid of it, right? Mm. Especially when you try to learn and try to speak so much when you're later in, like when you're a bit older, right? But I say older, when I was like 16 or 17. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's a lot difficult old. at that point compared to when you're trying to pick it up when you're like four, right? So. Actually, we have uh, one of our previous guests was a speech language pathologist, and they actually uh, specialize in kind of uh, accent uh, modification. Where, yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you're interested, we, we, you can love uh, to love to do that. Yeah, I, yeah. I love and, to and, like get, get some help on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it sounds like it's it's just kind of a little bit of that that fitting in, and and yeah, yeah. It, it sounded like part of the uh, great things is, is you were always willing to kind of ask and be curious about that, and that really helped you. Uh, along, along the way, so um, so as yeah. you're progressing through your your university career, then then how did uh, consulting come into play? Because for me, that was not on my radar at all. Um, so I'm not sure where it was for for you uh, in the process. Yeah, um, I think it's just by accident. Um, I did not consider being a professional consultant when in school. I wanted to become a um, an engineer working at let's say Hydro One, right, or be a, a software engineer working at like Google, for example, right. right? Um, yeah, so I think it happened by chance because I think one of my um, closer friend at school, he's like maybe two, three years older, but he went into consulting, right? So that kind of gave me the exposure to it and right. kind of planted the seed, right? Um, and how I, uh, uh, in terms of how it became my career of choice right out of school, I think um, a lot of, like, I think it happened over time. Um, even when I know about the, um, the, the career path, like, it was I did not jump into it right because I didn't know what it is and what the day-to-day -day looks like um but obviously like after talking to my friend like I get a sense of what the day-to-day -day looks like what kind of problem they um they work on etc so that kind of piqued my interest um and then on the other end um I was still pursuing kind of the engineering route so um I actually did multiple internships throughout my my uh, my school um, at different places with the, uh, uh, that has very different nature of work. So okay. I started as a researcher, right? Cause I, I thought I want to become like maybe a researcher, like super deep technical, um, in a research field. Right. Mm -hmm. I started doing research, um, did not like it. So <laughs> move away from that. Um, and then I moved into software development, um, did some of that. I still like it, right? But I think I like it more as a hobby than yeah. I want to spend like 10 hours a day doing it. Um, and then I slowly moving into more business focusing roles. Um, I, at U of T, uh, University of Toronto, we have this uh, program called PY. So essentially it's a 16 month um, co-op program that you take between year three and year four, right? Um, so when I got to year, um, my, my third year, um, I had the opportunity to, to work as a product manager, right? Um, so it was also a deliberate choice because I've tried something else that for sure I didn't like, or I, I know I don't want to spend my full-time job <laughs> with, right? So I tried something slightly different, um, like the business side of things, um, including like the way they think, the way they talk, 
um, the problem that, um, that, that they solve on a daily, day basis. And I think that's like slowly moving me towards kind of like the, the business side of things. And then eventually uh, when I'm, I'm uh, about time to graduate, you know, um, I think consulting come up again because all the consulting firms come to campus to recruit, right? Um, so after talking to like different people from different firms, right? Um, I know like that's like my number one um, choice in terms of career path right out of, uh, after school. Cool. So t tell us a little bit about those kind of research and yeah. um, the, the dev experiences. Were those like um, internships? Were those like part-time jobs? Were there like, how did you get those experiences? Is, is that yeah. part of school or something solely outside? Yeah, so the research one um, job I did was uh, in the summer after um, my second year. Okay. Um, so um, I talked to a professor that um, taught a course I really like, right? Um, and I just asked, hey, are you hiring someone to help with uh, research in the summer? Um, and one thing led to another and said, hey, like, why don't you spend like four months with us in, this, in, um, in, in the lab um, and see if you like it, right? Okay. Um, so that's that's really it. That that's really it. Um, it's not a job that I apply um, through a public posting. It's just talking to someone that you respect, that you want to spend some time with, you want to learn from, and see where that goes. Mm -hmm. And then the other ones, like the software dev, those weren't like official jobs, or, or were they? No, just... they're not. So the software one um, is mostly uh, uh, a side project. So I'm always interested in um, in, in startups and or. Uh, building something, right, as, a, as an engineer. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, a friend and I decided to um, uh, spend some time in the summer to uh, create something, right? And part of that is requires writing software, right? Um, so that's kind of my exposure to it. It's not a formal um, job or anything, right? But it okay. still um, gave me the experience of um, programming. So it yeah. sounds like for those opportunities, uh, one of it was uh, just staying connected. So that connection with your professor and, and expressing interest. And I guess the second one is, is also interest where you guys decided to uh, take that interest to the next level and actually do something about it uh, and, and just kind of experiment uh, on that side. So uh, yeah, cool. yeah. And and from your um, path, I guess, uh, now that you're close to graduating, you, you found consulting again, how was the the hiring experience, um, I guess, after graduation? Did, did you have something waiting for you uh, when you graduated or did you have kind of the foresight to start applying beforehand or, or what was that process? Yeah. Um, so I did plan a bit um, beforehand. So um, I was lucky enough to actually have a few offers before I graduate. Hmm. Um, yeah, so um, I definitely did not want it to wait until the end. <laughs> Where I was, oh, what I'm gonna do now, right? Um, right. Yeah, so um, yeah, I did um, go through the process with consulting firms. Um, I would say in the first or second month in my fourth year, because mm -hmm. that's usually when what the campus recruiting cycle looks like for consulting firms. Mm -hmm. um, went through the process. Um, and as you know, like, I think the process is pretty straightforward and transparent and short. Um, so I have the offer, I think I would say mid October in my first semester in my fourth year, which is great because yeah. in my second semester, I can just do whatever I want and have, don't have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. And I guess there's a, a word of guidance for folks that are in school. Uh, plan ahead, right? Because some firms do hire uh, well ahead of graduation, sometimes a year in advance, sometimes eight months, sometimes four months or whatever. 
So don't wait until like the, the April before graduation <laughs> until yeah. uh, you start yeah. looking because uh, sometimes a lot of the, the prime uh, roles are already uh, taken out. So yeah, for sure. I think like um, as students or a listener, listener to the podcast, um, I think like the summer, um, I would say like the third and fourth year will be like the prime time to get ready because a lot of um, company will be hiring for interns who are in their third year, right? Um, and a lot of those internships actually lead to full-time positions after you graduate, right? Um, and then fourth year is obviously for, um, for full-time positions, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so uh, having, having run campus, I think the easiest way to get a full-time hire is go through a co-op and then get hired as a, as a full-time because actually the uh, co-op hiring process is, is actually a little bit easier in the sense there's, there's fewer, um, uh, activities, fewer interviews to go through, uh, yeah. and then it's and also less yeah. expectation from the from the employer too, right? Because they yeah. know you're still a student. <laughs> For sure, and then it becomes like a four month long interview, right? Because because yeah. we do have the option of of saying no, but chances are you 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 still do pretty good, and, and you can continue on. So, so now now that you're you're in at Deloitte, or oh, you said you had two offers, so 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 you had a choice. So how did you make a decision between one and the other? Like, what were your 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 choices? Yeah, um, I think it comes down really comes down to um, salary because okay. uh, <laughs> full transparency, and I think that's something uh, practical that we have to uh, consider, right? Sure. Um, I guess like given my own personal situation, I do want to um, uh, uh, kind of s kind of set up my roots in in Toronto, right? Mm -hmm. um, so having a, a decent salary um, definitely helps uh, in terms of like let's say looking buying a house for example sure. right um and also having more saving to travel in canada yeah <laughs> that also helps um so salary is definitely um, number one um and then i would say um the firm reputation is another one right um so i got an offer from a big firm another one from a mid-size um mid-market firm right um i took the one from the big firm because number one better salary number two um uh, better um, brand name so that you know um, it bigger company usually offers like more like a bigger platform to grow right um, and also there are uh, mechanisms in places to help train younger um, folks right um, and then if at one point decide to leave right it's, it's a good name on the resume so <laughs> yeah. that people people recognize cool so, so talk to us about kind of the, the, the startup into uh, consulting because you know a little bit about it but weren't too familiar with yeah. it and then and then uh, how was kind of the journey there and then you uh, decide to leave and then well yeah. spoiler alert you came back <laughs> but, uh, show us uh, if you can describe a little bit about that that journey that would be helpful for folks yeah um, I think like in terms of like uh, my experience um, joining the firm um, it's not very different from what I expected because I did talk to a lot of people throughout my interview process um, and just as I prepare for interviews I start um, knowing more people who spend time um, in the consulting industry so I kind of know what they do on a day-to-day -day basis but obviously like depends on the firm depends on the practice or the group you join the the work you do is slightly different right um, so for me I think like um, like not much um, uh, uh, surprises in terms of what I do, um, but what I would say I, I needed to adjust is um, to learn how to manage up, 
Um, and that's something that I, I still need to like, uh, I think we all need to learn how to do as you progress in, in, in your career, just managing up, managing sideways, managing down, right? Yeah. Uh, but when I join, it's like kind of at the bottom of the totem pole, you can only manage up, right? So um, that's something that I need to learn because um, uh, in consulting, we do work in a pretty high pace environment, right? Um, it's definitely not a nine to five job. Um, sometimes um, directions and the, the work are not very well defined, right? It's very different from school where, hey, like just answer this exam question. Right. Then you get like 100%, right? right? Or you have like past exam that you can practice on. Right. <laughs> the stuff you're doing consulting from is, I would say, almost the opposite of that, right? Um, so definitely need to spend some time learning how to navigate um, and manage like uncertainty. Um, that's like definitely, that's something that um, I, I spend a lot of time learning um, to do. Um, now, um, after I spent about um, four and a half years at the firm, um, there's a couple opportunities that came up and then that opened up um, opportunity for me to actually explore other options, right, um, to your point. So I actually left the firm. Um, I spent a year in New York um, just because I actually wanted to spend some time in a different city yeah. <laughs> before it's too late. Um, so I highly recommend to live in New York if you get a chance once in your <laughs> life. <laughs> so I spent some time there um, and then I joined a uh, tech startup um, in, in Toronto. Um, and then we um, spent about two years working on that. Um, we actually exited from that. Uh, we got acquired by um, Square. Um, and then that also opened up an opportunity for me to think about, hey, what's next, right? Um, and then I decided to come back to the front. Cool. So can, can you go back to, I guess, that, that first uh, exit? So you decided to go to, to, to New York. Yeah. What, what are kind of the, the circumstances or the decision um, considerations that were being had at the time? So were you yeah. like kind of at a plateau where you didn't want to, uh, couldn't learn anymore? Or was it more like, ooh, there's this, there's this bright, shiny object and have to go follow it? Or, or yeah. what? what um, I think I'm just like very curious about like what it's like outside of Toronto, because I yeah. think at that time, at that point in time, um, I spent about almost up to 10 years in Toronto. Okay. Um, and I, again, I'm like super fortunate and in a, in a good position to have things set up in, in Toronto. Mm -hmm. um, and then at that time, I'm also um, engaged okay. uh, with my longtime girlfriend back then. Right. Um, so we were like, hey, like, you know what, like, it's like, we really want to explore what's out there before we like 100% settle down, right? right. Um, and like we visited New York before and say, hey, like this is a place that we want to, you know, explore and, and experience, right? Um, so um, decided to go there. Um, I actually did my master at um, NYU when I was in New York. Um, a 100% cover in, term, in terms of scholarship. So it's pretty low cost. Right. <laughs> yeah, in that situation. Um, and on top of that, what I really wanted to get out in addition to live in New York is also meet people that I did not get a chance to meet. Mm. Right? Okay. Um, people um, from like different, you know, walks of life, I would say, right? Um, people um, from the finance industry, because New York, you know, Wall Street, right? Yeah. Um, Spend, um, make some really good connection um, uh, with my time there. I'm still staying in touch with them. Um, 
yeah so i think it's just like having more story in life you know um and that's that it's it's really about that um yeah um i think like now i think back i think it's uh it's it's something that i would definitely do again (laughs) right and I would highly encourage people to, um, uh, if, if situation allowed, definitely explore and, and try different things. Cool. And, and do you have one story that you could share <laughs> during that during that time? Um, yeah, um, crazy story. So when I was in New York, um, I actually got recruited by one of the top hedge funds in New York. Okay. And the way I got that interview is by randomly talking to someone at Washington Square, because that's where the school is. Okay. <laughs> so um, I always hear about how hard it is to break into, let's say, Wall Street, right? Or like getting interviews lined up. But sometimes a lot of these opportunities come up naturally when you are curious about other people, when you're putting yourself out there, right? Right. Um, and you're in a position to actually nurture those opportunities, like sometimes they lead to like very interesting experience. Cool. Yeah, I often recommend folks that are in the networking space to be interested instead of interesting, because uh, too yeah. many people want to like uh, fluff up themselves and, and be good, but just sometimes asking questions. So yeah, can you go into a few more details of, about that story or no? Or is it, is it telling too much? No, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's just being very curious about like, you know, other people's work. Right, and um, be genuinely curious. Like yeah. you, you can't fake it, right? Like people see it when you try to fake it. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. And like if you start to establish that um, that connection, um, I think like people are fully open to you know supporting you in whatever way they can. Right? Cool. Yeah. And was the intent always to go back to Toronto, or or were you supposed to kind of stay in New York or go elsewhere? What what was the plan from there, or was it not? No, I think at that time I was pretty open to options. Um, we like Toronto. We have the network we have like stuck in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, and like when we spend time in the States, um, I think that make us appreciate Toronto even more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just because I think it's, like, it's pretty personal to me because um, uh, I think back in 2017 or 18, um, that's when a lot of stuff is happening in, in the U.S., right? Okay. Um, like politically and, um, you know, um, it's just like the, the the vibe you get when you live in the city. It's right. very different than the lifestyle you get in Toronto, right? right. And like, I think like it's, it's, a, it's a really just a personal choice. Um, I would say like Toronto definitely fits more in terms of like, um, you know, diversity, the way people talk, the way people think about things, right? Um, and it's also at that time, Toronto was the place for anything AI related. Mm-hmm. So when I was in New York, I actually feel like I'm missing out. <laughs> that, was a, that was a pretty strong feeling, right? Um, like everything interesting, it's coming out from University of Toronto. It's coming out from a Toronto community, right? And so, hey, like if I want to spend time in the AI space, I think Toronto is actually the good place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have all the resources we have in, in, in Toronto that we built up in the last couple of years before we moved to New York. Right? So what was your transition into AI? So that obviously started with your uh, start in consulting through the, in the data, the analytics space, and yeah. then uh, grew into an interest in that. 
and and did it continue on with with the masters or 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 uh, like yeah. what, what was that journey like? Yeah, it's um, it, I would say it's always been there. So when I was in um, school, so I went to University of Toronto. I did uh, electrical and computer engineering, and and obviously that's kind of like the central hub for AI research in Toronto. But it was not as hot back then, right? right. So I took like machine learning courses, but didn't know like it was such a in demand skill set. So I always have that foundation. But I, as I get into like working in a consulting firm, like big data was like the most you know popular topic um, back in the day. <laughs> like, yeah. I think it still is. Um, but as we go through like the big data transformation, it would open up, um, it really set up the foundation for more advanced analytics, which later became data science, right? right. But fundamentally it's the same thing, right? Um, so it's always been around in my life. I just didn't know like how I need to connect the dots and leverage my experience. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, when I went, when I, um, I spent some time in New York, I actually study um, very specifically on data science because I really want to understand what are some of the deep technical applications um, beyond things that um, I was exposed to in consulting firms, right? Um, so I definitely decided to um, continue to invest my career and time in, in, in that space. Um, after um, uh, New York, um, there are a lot of um, uh, startups um, um, who, that focus on AI. Um, and there, uh, uh, there are a few really good ones in Toronto. And that's where I, I end up with, just given my interest and opportunity. Cool. So can you walk us through kind of getting to those? So, so you mentioned you, you joined a startup and then uh, an, another AI firm and then uh, spoiler, you, you went back to Deloitte. <laughs> uh, what, what was kind of that transition like? And is, is it back to um, like just random connections in like a square in Toronto that got you a job or <laughs> were there, were there yeah. other things at play? <laughs> Um, no, so like to uh, the job at the startup, uh, it, well, it's actually through a friend um, from University of Toronto from okay. a few years ago. Yeah. Um, so again, um, like I think in terms of how to get a job, staying connected with your yep. network is definitely important because like people, you know, grow and they move to do different things and you never know when your path will cross again, right? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so like getting the startup job is to just do another mutual connection, did not go through any formal application or interview process. Yeah. Um, and when I joined a startup, um, I focused a lot on product management as well as, um, uh, I would say like very similar to what I did in consulting. So very client facing, like bringing our um, IP or intellectual property or tools into customers, right? Um, I also spend a lot of time doing internal facing product development as well, right? uh, working with the engineering team and being part of the engineering team myself. Um, so now after spending two years at the startup, um, just because how the business went, um, we got picked up by Square because they wanted to open an office in Toronto. And the easiest way for everyone is just to buy, acquire a company, mm -hmm. right? Um, so throughout the conversation, um, just how like Square want to position the startup team, um, it's not, it's not really aligned well with what I want to like keep doing, right? Because mm. throughout this whole experience, I still really enjoy the client facing side of things, like bringing, um, good technology, good IP into applications, right? Um, so 
post acquisition, that's not what we are going to do. So that opened up the opportunity for me to think about, hey, like, is this something that I want to keep doing or not, right? Um, so now transitioning back to Deloitte, um, it's also through a connection that I stay in touch with. Yeah. <laughs> Again, did not go through any formal <laughs> application. Um, so a lot of um, uh, the, the conversations happen naturally. I say, hey, like we are investing in the AI space as the firm, right? So for people who don't know, um, Deloitte has the uh, practice called Omnia AI. Um, so that's where we focus our, um, our energy and services um, in bringing um, the latest and greatest AI technology into our clients. Mm -hmm. um, so um, at that time, Deloitte, um, I would say, just started up this practice um, and they wanted to um, have people to come uh, help build out um, different service offerings, right? Um, so because my experience with my first chapter at Deloitte, right? Uh, as well as like my product experience in startups. And I think that fits what Deloitte Omnia AI is looking for in terms of the, their, their plan forward. So it was, um, it, was, it was a mutual fit. And again, a super informal process, um, just through um, connections that I built and nurtured throughout my career. Yeah, that just uh, speaks towards the power of networking. And like, if you don't want to have to go through the rigor of like the whole resumes and the applications yeah. and, and all that sort of stuff, you're, you're better suited to do that anyway, because that whole process is, is so uh, complicated is. and challenging yeah. anyway. So uh, yeah, a question on the, uh, the, the startup one, did, did you end up uh, like, were you early enough to, to, to pick up any like exit out of that? Or was it just- Yeah, like, um, got a few, uh, some share, um, <laughs> obviously not um, uh, enough so that I can retire now. So <laughs> gotta keep working. Yeah, so you got to keep working. So that's amazing. So that kind of brings us to, to present day. And, and there's probably a bunch of other stuff uh, a lot along the way. I, I know you try to do like a uh, analytics boot camp uh, yeah. along that and uh, maybe maybe speak a little bit to, to that journey and what you're trying to accomplish with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so um, I started a boot camp called Business Analytics, analytics boot, um, boot Camp. BAB for short, you can look it up on Google. Uh, so it's, um, I would say it's, uh, it's a very um, targeted um, offering to um, students or professionals who's interested in um, technical analytics as well as business, mm -hmm. right? So um, I've always interested in startups and I think deep down, like fundamentally, it's just about building something new, right? Um, and getting the feedback um, from people. Um, obviously, like I prefer good feedback, but, <laughs> um, but part of it is just like learning and pivoting, right? So I would enjoy that process as well. Um, so when um, I think back in 2017, and I think that's really like the, when data science and analytics uh, hiring boomed, Right, um, but I saw there is uh, there's a gap in terms of what school and um, I would say education um, uh, service providers mm -hmm. um, are not offering, which is connecting the dots between technical analytics and some kind of business domain application. Right, right. neither super business like you know uh, MBA course that teach you how to talk about 
and understand analytics mm -hmm. or the other end is spectrum where you do like a deep like machine learning engineering course and that leads you down to the phd route right, right. but there's nothing kind of in between right um so that's something that i saw there's a white space um as well as the, there's a demand for it right cool. So as we kind of uh, wrap up uh, and, and hopefully we'll have you back on discussing things on like AI and machine learning, because I know that's a hot topic. A lot of people are confused and would like a little bit more knowledge yeah. on, on that. And then maybe uh, one of the things we didn't talk about was uh, you writing on Medium, right? So, so you have an account that has quite a few followers. So we'd love yeah. to kind of get connected on that. But if you can uh, kind of leave the audience uh, with, with a few uh, pieces of swike, the stuff I wish I knew earlier, like if you could talk to uh, young Ian at whatever stage and, and maybe multiple stages of your life that when you were stressing out, um, so, so maybe uh, for, the, for those Gaokao exams, maybe even university, maybe uh, as you're making decisions, but what are some of the pieces of, of swike that you would want to share for, for, for yourself? Yeah, um, be even more curious about other people. Yeah. Um, and number two would be meet as many people as possible. Um, <laughs> I would, I did engineering at U of D and I spent most of my time in the lab. So um, definitely if I got a chance to do it again, I would definitely like try to spend more time um, to meet with people from different backgrounds, not just from engineering, but from like, let's say business, from art, from science, right? Um, you just never know where that relationship will lead you, not just only for jobs, but just for your, I would say your intellectual curiosity and growth. Right? Um, and would yeah. you say would you classify yourself as like an, an introvert or extrovert like if, if you were to go use those words i would say i'm a natural self um i'm fully introverted okay um but i learned how to flex that's <laughs> training 101 okay. <laughs> but you, you can't kind of like have to adjust it based on the situation okay. but um i would say if at my most natural self i'm fully introverted um i love to spend my um some um uh, time by myself to think, to ponder, to write, and Medium is one channel for that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Sorry, I cut you off. What, what were some of the other swike that, that you would want to uh, impart on yourself? Um, I would say uh, try even more things if you get a chance to. Hmm. Okay. Um, and I think like a lot of the uncertainty or stress come from not knowing right but the solution for that is just to do it and do more of it and as part of that you kind of like eliminate all the things that you know you don't want to do or um, you have no control of right right and as a result you have more certainty right yeah i think i think that's great um for for the for the first one on, on curiosity for people obviously you kind of touted uh, with, without having to go through the uh, application process for any of those previous jobs, uh, that definitely helps. And then out of your own curiosity as well. And uh, if, if you are an introvert, then you can learn to flex and, <laughs> and go more out of your shell. Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of the same way as well. I'm naturally introverted, yeah. but I, I can connect with people. Uh, now try even more things. I think that's a great uh, perspective because uh, if you are uh, afraid of the unknown, like the only way to learn is to, to, <laughs> to experience it, right? Exactly. Uh, and then once you start knowing that, hey, none of the stuff is that bad, then you get used to it. And then the, the unknown is not as scary uh, as, as well. So yeah, I think that's uh, so, some amazing insights. Um, are there any kind of future aspirations that you're uh, looking to uh, go into? Um, 
obviously growing your, your medium and, and, and maybe more things in the AI space? Are there any other uh, areas of interest or any other piece of advice that you want to share? Yeah, um, I definitely want to continue to spend um, my career and time on growing my experience in AI and, and product management. Um, continue to write, um, but I'm struggling to find the time and energy to write. <laughs> it's getting pretty busy at work. Um, that's something that I need to find a better um, mechanism of managing. Um, have not found a solution yet. But, um, let me know if you have some good ideas. Um, and I would say like something I want to do a bit more is um, stay physically active. I think it's just because of like COVID, like we all like sure. lock, like we uh, we lock, all lock in a room and we can't go out, right? Um, so definitely want to spend some time um, uh, getting back in shape, I would say. Um, I'm starting to learn how, um, and train for maybe a half marathon. Ooh, okay. So um, starting today, um, let's, let's see how far that goes in, in like three, three months. Awesome. Yeah. So hopefully we'll have you back and get an update on the marathon progress training <laughs> uh, and maybe hold you accountable because you said it yes, live exactly. in public here. So yeah, <laughs> now it's in, in the public. So, <laughs> <laughs> And on, on the suggestion for, for the writing, one uh, thing that I often recommend for clients is to include what I call non-negotiable time. So yeah. basically half an hour a day, uh, uh, an hour a day, whatever you can allocate. And as busy as your life is, you have half an hour. You can do that. Yeah. Like uh, ideally at, at the beginning of your day before everything gets busy and then, and then you can't really control it. And, and that's the time. Uh, if, if you want to put a perspective on it, imagine that you have um, a meeting uh, uh, with, with the CEO of kind of the most important uh, company in, in, uh, that there exists, uh, which is uh, uh, me, Inc., <laughs> as in your life, the CEO of your life, which is you, right? And if you really want to put it, just imagine that Jeff Bezos wants to meet with you every day uh, at whatever, eight in the morning. Are you going to cancel on him? Definitely not. <laughs> exactly. So so put that kind of perspective on it and say, you know what, and, and, and I have to write uh, whatever, a 500 word, 5,000 word uh, medium article, and you'll probably get it, <laughs> right? Because uh, there's always going to be more work. There's always going to be more stuff. And and uh, if you don't take care of the, the, the priority stuff, uh, then it, it never gets done. So that, that'd be a, kind of a tip. That's, that's a good tip. Yeah. yeah. And also like, maybe write like shorter um, um, uh, articles. Um, yeah. Yeah, because like usually I try to write everything at once, but that takes a lot of time and energy to do it well, right? But if you can, if I can chop it up, and to your point, like do it maybe half in half hour chunks, yeah, that, that might help. yeah. I'll let you know how it goes. It sounds good. So perfect. So, so thanks a lot, Ian, for uh, joining us, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back for a future episode. For sure. Looking forward to it. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.